0: Hello, welcome to another episode of The Life Capoeira. I'm very pleased to welcome Mestre Fantasma uh, from U.R. Capoeira. Um, welcome, thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure.
0: So you, uh, was it formerly East End London Capoeira, It's now you are Capoeira. Uh, how did that get started? How did you get started in Capoeira itself, actually? Let's, let's start at the beginning.
1: Well, I was doing other martial arts. And when I was 18, I decided to try to do something positive in my life, and it was martial arts. Probably, you know, I I didn't have a father figure growing up. I was kind of always protected by the, the big guys at school. I never got bullied or anything, but I always felt as though I couldn't stand up for myself and decided to do martial arts when i was 18 so i was quite thickly into that because i lived in newcastle and i was unemployed during the thatcher years and so <clears throat> it was quite a full-time thing i ended up teaching it at the same time as i was advancing in it i was also getting a little bit bored of it for one reason or another and and i liked the physical training so then i moved i saw capoeira master gata was in a workshop i was at went to his class, and that was it. I changed direction of, in, a, in a moment.
0: Brilliant. And you um, he held from Southend on the Sea. We've had a previous guest, uh, Mestra Tanina, come on and, and talk about her experiences there. How was capoeira in those early days in the UK?
1: It was actually really good because it was so new and uh, no one had ever heard of it. And it was great to be involved. You know, I felt like I was... I'd found some kind of special thing that no one knew about, and probably that's why I got into it. So I started in '89, and until about 2000, really, there wasn't that much capoeira in the UK. And back then, in like '90, 90, '91, Gato had a an interesting group of kind of martial artists that were all training in a car park in Harlem. So. I went there because I'd moved to Newcastle just before I met Garton. I moved from Newcastle, sorry, just before I met Garton. And when he said, oh, my group's in Harlow, I thought, oh, well, that's not too far from me.
0: Brilliant.
1: You know, I can zip up there if I get someone uh, to help me. You know, I never had a car. I never drove. So I had a student that had a car. We used to drive up to Harlow and train with the guys in Harlow. And that went on for a year or two before I'd moved to London. So it was all just rather magical time, really. You know, you, I would be training with one person outside on the South End Seafront, and then someone come along and said, can I do that? And I said, yes. And then the, bit, the group just built up around us naturally.
0: Um, yeah. We've had Mestre Ferragira on as well, a friend of yours talking about those early days as well. And how, I mean, he estimated there were, when he came over approximately, so sort of 50 capoeiristas far as I think these, time days. Time. these days. How did you then start running your own classes in your own groups?
1: Well, yeah. Yeah, I had two moments. It was one in South End and then another one in London. Um, the one in South End was really simple because I was a friend of mine that I'd known since I was a child came around and saw me doing the Jinga started teaching him someone heard about simon doing this weird martial art someone else joined next thing i knew a little black guy called jude who became quite a figure in Capoeira at that time he'd just come out of prison he uh was a rapper he was an ex-boxer ex-professional boxer very small kind of featherweight or something and he he joined my group and because he was a good dancer and a good character and everyone knew him in Southend, the next day I had 20, 30 people in my class. So then it all became a, a rather a challenge to know how to deal with it. So, I, But I kept myself in front because I used I was the one going to train with Pashino in Harlow or Gatu when he came in the summer. And when we all went as a gang, like five, 10 of us or something, then when we'd get back, the only one that could remember anything was me. The techniques and the details, the, like Master Pashino had all or the timing. And that's because I had the martial arts experience. So I became the teacher, but because by accident, basically, um, and the group formed and I had good students. I had a, one guy was good with the music, another guy was good at singing. I was the teacher. We were all a bit street wise, I suppose, you know, for England. <laughs>
0: And how do you contrast that with capoeira in the UK today? Because obviously you've been with capoeira now for a very long time. You must have seen a lot of the the ebbs and flows of, of capoeira as it's, it's changed over the decades.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of change, but is, is, I'm not sure if it's change or multi-layered because those other things still exist. I mean, my group's the same as it was. I've basically got a bunch of really keen, quite able guys that love capoeira and we're all a bit you know a bit like arthur daly or something you know it's like really it's one guy is like that and that you know there's a jamaican guy and and uh, you know we're the same more or less but i did see also through the through the 90s and more so in 2000 the the branding and labels of groups and how the groups expanded within their groups so if it was easy to identify who was from Cordangioro, who was from uh, Angola, who was from Senzala. You could see these kind of groups emerging that had less individual character, but more group character. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So but that didn't stop what was already happening. There was, you know, in London, there was still some, you know, pastel turned up and he was doing his Mercado Modelo Capoeira. Mastacher was here from Mestana, and they all, you know, everyone was still existing, but the contemporary group started to grow bigger and for one reason or another. And it kind of made it multi-layered rather than just you we used to, I remember doing hodders, and then everyone would turn up, more or less everyone. So because there was only, as Fehadur said, there's only a handful of people actually doing Capital. Meshder Zada was there, you know. Uh, so it, it did change, but not not really for the worse, but for the better, because there was more people involved, and it became a vehicle for you know it seemed that a lot of people started to develop ways to teach in schools and develop the whole kind of way of teaching as well, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, and well, I think as it's grown, it interesting to see the BBC have had a couple of their little sort of idents featuring yeah, yeah. um, just showing that sort of growing. The popular knowledge of the art,
1: yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It was unknown, and really, it still is, because we don't have a place for it. It gets put in other boxes. It's a martial art. Oh, it's a dance thing. You know, it's Brazilian uh, martial art. But you know, is is it <laughs> really? It was you know the one we practice today is from Bahia, and it's more of a san. It's it's not a martial art. So it's capoeira. So for me, it still doesn't have its place.
0: Yeah, I, agree. I think it's it's. Um, we like to pigeonhole things, but obviously I think capoeira is unique. It's, it's a category in and of itself. And I think, uh, you know, is it a martial arts? A really good question, because you could also say that actually some other more traditional martial arts, because the martial side of things is only really going to come out depending on the teacher that you've got and, and the emphasis they have on their training. I've, I've told my own students that actually, you know, I used to do full contact Kung Fu, but I didn't like hurting people, which is a big disadvantage in sparring. And so <laughs> when I where I'll talk about the martial side of things. I'll say, you know, when you're throwing out a kick, you, if you want it to be at their head, it needs to be at their head, but you want them to get out of the way. But you know, it's it, it, my lessons Will have that element to them but it's not going to be as as big as say the playful nature inside of things but then you know contramestre negateta first one comes to mind is obviously much more martial minded in his teaching and so and, and i've found this again from my kung fu experience is you know tai chi is a moving meditation for some people but for others it's still very much a martial art into, you know a karate and others
1: yeah so i mean that that is the thing isn't it is not it isn't doesn't have its place it isn't just a martial art it isn't just a dance i I feel that the best thing to see it as is a kind of fight game when you go if you're a practitioner and you want to play capoeira, i have a thing where i call it hoda fear so my my students train and play and then when it when we do a hodder, they they don't they say oh, well, i can't make that day you know uh, so but now our hodders are quite intensive and they're quite big so it is when I when I say it's big, I mean what I mean is it's quite um the energy and feeling of it and the different levels, it does represent what the hot the good hodders I've seen in, in Brazil. So it's almost like they've we've done the job. I've done my job, basically, that I wanted to do. And I never thought I would see that in my lifetime. So now we do I do this urban ritual and other people are copying the model. And it's a good it's a good hodder, you know, we're having good hodders in London. Mm. So for new people, they come into Capoeira and I think that it's better for them to see a little bit of the fight side when they go in to play, because obviously, even if someone's not trying to kick you, you can walk into a kick because you're not looking or turning in the wrong way or something like this. So for me, it's a fight game, which I suppose sparring is.
0: Yeah, Yeah. It's considered violence yeah yeah um I've quite liked the phrase it, it's a dance for fighters or a fight for dancers yeah which actually I think neatly brings us into your rhythmic rope flow with, with that was more of a tongue twister than I yeah. expect
1: rhythmic <laughs> rope flow <throw. laughs>
0: um because I know that you are also um into Cuban dance and things and you've combined your your love of dance your love of capoeira with a new sort of exercise program would you like to talk a bit about that
1: well that's, i mean that's quite a good thing for me right now because it is ha- because of its impact on my body basically i got involved with cuban dance kind of by accident i was just interested in Matias Asuncion, the historian he once said to me oh, in the future we'll find out more about capoeira which looking into other activities in other places so then i stumbled across Cuban rumba in, in Havana. And there was one guy here in, in London who was a really, it's like a, it's like a master, you know. Uh, I became friends with him, started learning a little bit of music. Then I met my partner, Luanda, and we started going to Cuba once a year to do a dance fest. And I, I started to get into the dance. So a lot of the movements from the Odisha dance are really similar to the way i understand the capoeira jenga so you know these things really connected for me and the the influence it had was kind of a confirmation of many things that i'd already thought about how how the movement and the music need to be in connected you know not the movement isn't separate from the music but the music the song and the movement all fit together um, and being involved with the Cuban stuff, because really, they have all the, it's quite an open religious ceremonies, and they have this rumba that they do shows. But basically, Fidel Castro kind of got them on his side when he took power and just made it and gave them money just to develop, you know. So in Brazil, people were being, so it was still marginalized in the 60s, even when I went there in the 90s. But in Cuba, they were actually being given places to teach and, uh, money to survive and tours to do around the world with folkloric dance and so you know they were really supported quite well for it um, <clears throat> so the similarities for me were really interesting and helped me develop my own style and that's why I called it you are capoeira because it's like urban ritual and you are capoeira so then in lockdown I stumbled across the the rope float from david weck in america who's a kind of inventor of different forms of exercise to improve your ability and not yeah to prove your ability of whatever you do and rope flow is one of the things that i liked from his teachings and the way that they do it it doesn't have formed dance steps within it so then Accidentally, I kind of discovered that the, the basic principles of the Cuban dance that I'd learned really helped my idea of rope flow. And I started really getting into it. Also, it was really difficult to do one. There were some moves I couldn't do on one side and I could do on the other. And I really noticed the uh how the right hand compensated for the left. Or if I brought the left up, then that means that I bring the right down, if you know what I mean. So you get this balance, so ended up the all the little injuries that I've had for years, but sometimes I would feel walking home after teaching disappeared everything I had a little pain in my neck disappeared, thing in my ankle used to come more or less more or less every time I talk afterwards, I could feel a little thing in my ankle, I go to bed it, when I wake up it's gone, but now it's gone, and I think it's the road flux. is the only thing I've done. It's that's been uh this only thing has changed so for me i'm now i'm developing rope flow as a rhythmic rope flow because there's a, quite a lot of it on the internet you can find like lots of moves but the way i'm doing it it's more like a jinga so there's the whole body's thing and you know there's certain things that really fit for the jinga and now i use it for people that arrive at capoeira that want to do capoeira but actually aren't fit enough or and doesn't have that coordination they're, they're not they're not able really to get my tip the class without going home making and thinking oh it's not for me so now i give them a rope or they buy a rope and once you've got that rope in your house but you've got a space and you can have a little go whenever you want and you end up the thing with it is that it's, it's a figure of eight movement in the shoulders that really helps the back and then it's the arm twisting as well and those two things combined with the bit i added which is the kind of bounce we call it the bounce but it's a drop um it you know it's ended up that students that have been struggling with me to get my type of jingo get the rope achieve lots with the rope and then they feel okay i can do i i can do it in capoeira and they've actually grown in capoeira as well so I'm just finding it as a really interesting prop. Yeah.
0: That sounds really interesting.
1: It I've is it. It's super interesting. And the other thing as well is like I've done a bit of boxing. So boxers, they always have a dominant side and they always use skipping for balance. So you're equal, you're doing something that's equal. So this is the same, except you've got all this shoulder rotation and like walking, and you can use it like Batting or throwing or hitting, and you can do lots of different things with it. So it's just becoming a fantastic prop.
0: It sounds like a really good bit of cross training as well. And particularly, you're talking about how we've got to have that dominant side, and, and with the rope, you're finding that your right hand could do it, your left couldn't. And then you're sort of building up. Because yeah. obviously, being right or left handed, we tend to, as our life goes on, we end up being more asymmetric because one side of our body ends up doing more. And this sounds like a really good way to compensate for that.
1: And apparently, David Weck has done some kind of experiments and tests with it. And there's some moves when you go, you have to do right hand and then left hand and then right hand. And this one mustn't move when you do that or the rope changes position and doesn't doesn't look as good. So you have to go right, left, right. And this this um, independence has actually helped my Pandera playing because the Pandera you shake with this hand and hit with this hand and so many people hold it with this hand and do nothing else so or just one thing you know and so my my pandero and my drumming and my burimba plans all improved because i'm playing rope because i can independently move the cabasa now it's quite
0: interesting yeah i come at the end of i forget which film it is it's jackie chan doing a little party trick where he is drawing a circle in the air with one hand and then at a similar sort of pace he's drawing out a square with his other hand and okay. I wonder if the uh, rope would help learn that little trick because obviously it's really hard to have that independence with your arms and it's it's really interesting to hear how the rope is helping with that.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting um kind of addition. Because a lot one of the things that's happened in the in the last or well, since I started Capoeira is I saw a lot of people doing lots of different things to support their body for capoeira so yoga and then there's this kind of contact improvisation and other other movements that people have been doing and probably it's really it really works well but for me the the rope represents the jinga, and the music you know it's very it's very much like capoeira for me so it's just another one of those things that maybe can help people have a longer capoeira life for their body, really.
0: Yeah, which I think we all need. Um, <laughs> so you recently back from a capoeira event in Berlin. And um, how did that go? Have you had any reflections on, on the event?
1: Oh, yeah, that was, uh, I was going to Berlin for another reason completely. Nothing to do with this event. But then I bumped into Gunso, who had been visiting Urban Ritual a few times in Brighton. When Master Cloudy was here, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to be in Berlin," and he said, "Oh, when?" I told him it was when his event was, so he gave me one class. So that went really well. I thought Um, I'm still waiting for feedback from the students, but from what I understood, the what I was teaching, they really liked. Um, And I met Master Gazito. I've can't say his name properly, and he's he's an interesting character and caught me by surprise, really. First of all, we, we really got on. I think when you speak Portuguese so fluently and you've been in Capoeira for like thirty years or so, it does help and it's kind of It's kind of nice for me to meet an older Brazilian master, and for them, it's nice for them to meet a white guy that speaks like acts like he's, he's a capoeirista. you know they, so we really got on, but he surprised me completely with a presentation, more or less, what is Capoeira but he didn't actually say what it is he just said where does it you know how vast is the subject of where it might have come from kind of and what influences it and so that was just a really high point for me the way he presented it in particular you know, i was quite quite surprised by it also i saw Tosinu and toka toka is company's brother and he kind of started a in london and he he was here f- I think it's 10 years now he went to Berlin and he's developed what seems to be a really good hodder in Berlin. I mean, he doesn't say, but I reckon he'd, he'd copy an urban ritual. <laughs> so it was just fantastic to be there by accident.
0: Yes, yeah, a really good stroke of luck. And the, the last question i like to ask on this podcast for all my guests, which I think will probably help with is what is capoeira?
1: Oh, well, uh, it, there's no simple answer to that. I think it's it's lots of different things to different to everyone you know everyone's at different phases so depending on which phase you're at, you can see it as something different also the the kind of influence of the master or the group changes what it is. so you know some groups are more movement based. Other groups maybe are more, uh, maybe more spiritual or connected to some other kind of search within themselves. Some seem, although I don't, haven't seen any recently, but I've seen videos, they've seen a bit more like, almost like karate or fighting and kind of going in there, uh, kind of jujitsu, almost, you know, they or do a few things and then they want to grab each other. So this, you know, there's so many different forms of it. That it can't be defined and unless you want to pin it down to one part you know if, if you want to say, well, what about bahian capoeira you know and then you can talk about the history of of Baian capoeira or you know master bimba's capoeira or master Valdemar's capoeira and and look into the kind of what it is what it was or what it is for for those people, but for me it's um It kind of saved my life, really. You know, it became a subject of study that satisfied all my kind of needs, gave me a good social network. But most importantly, my students become my family. So really, capoeira is not like my family.
0: Lovely. Um, That's also made me think of another question. I remember um, quite some time ago on Facebook, you posted a comment, is there a new style of capoeira, sort of European? capoeira mm. and i want to feel if that's the case or such earlier comments that you know the hodders here now are of a similar quality to to hodders in brazil itself is not not all of them oh yeah of course but,
1: but uh, yeah i mean it's an interesting thing i do believe i saw things no i don't believe i saw some things change so and they probably still it's, it's probably still like that But there's a lot more acceptance of people not doing it exactly how they're being asked to. So it's 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 been it seems to be formed new way to play the music, for example, often quite slow, and for me quite monotonous because people don't know the songs; they don't come from the that culture, and they probably haven't spent the time practicing trying to develop what the master's been teaching. So. In Brazil what I saw was quite a strict kind of hierarchy so you and it's the same in Cuba Cuban rumba and music if you can't make the right sounds you don't get the chance to try you know if you're bashing the instrument and making a noise when you go to play in the batteria the masters take you off politely or impolitely often politely but you know, there's a. It's not easy to play these instruments, like the Burimbao, pandero, especially and drum. So those things really should be practiced. I think so that you can make the sounds you want, and then you need some sort of musical guidance to really have good music in the hoda. So I think that there has been developed a kind of mediocre version of the music that has been now accepted and recorded and it's, it's it's got its place. But for me, if I if I listen to Valdemar, Bimba, Kaysara, all those guys from before that recorded early, they seem to be playing, first of all, with a different rhythm, slightly more rhythmical, with the, this kind of bouncy feeling. And often they sing in tune to the Burimbao or they've tuned the Burimbao to their voice. and that That's kind of been lost, I think, in the majority of places. Not everywhere, but in the majority of places. And it is difficult to have a, a burimba that you turn to your voice. And then you, you've got three burimbaos. So you've got to find a way to blend the, the four voices, the one of the human singing and the three of the burimbaos, because they're all, they've each got a voice. And it's a part of the capoeira that I really believe is the most important part. is trying to get your music right. Uh, So I think I was probably talking about the music. I mean, people say they don't like my music, so, and I say, why? And and they say, oh, we just, you know, it's too fast or something. And I said, well, maybe it's because you can't play that fast. (laughs) You know, you don't feel relaxed playing that fast. It's a struggle, but that's all, it's all technical detail. You know, I learned a lot of music with different people. But one of my first few influences from group Senzala, Mr. Pashinyo, Suhisu, Gahinsha, and they all played quite rhythmically and sang well. So Pashinyo didn't sing much, but he did sing well. Uh, And then I met Nenau, and eventually I ended up with Bokahika. And when I met Bokahika, he really kind of made me realize that your hands move independently, you know? And I was lucky enough to travel with him enough to pick up a few techniques. And since then, I've always had been lucky in, my, in my, mu- my musical pursuits and still working on it. I think that that's the main thing that I see has different. And because the music's changed, that affects the movement and the whole feeling in the, in the room. You know, there's the heart of Capoeira's, really, the music and the song is the main singer. So, you know, I, I see the differences, but I accept as well. Everyone can do whatever they want. And most people are trying to get better at what they're doing. So it's a it's a, it's a journey. But there is a difference. I even, there's one guy I know in Salvador, and he's a, he's a, he's a master of capoeira. And he said to me, ah, oh, the influence of Europe has come back to Bahia. And I said, what do you mean? He said, now, this is like 15 years ago. He said, "Now they, they get the DVDs with the European capoeira and copy it because they, they think that that's what the Europeans want. So they don't want to do the traditional stuff. So he's trying to teach them traditional sequences and, you know, be calm and all that. And they're seeing like really fast kicks and trying to throw each other. And they want to do that. They don't want to do the old traditional stuff. So, you know, that's a first hand example. Is definitely not only is there formed a, a European capoeira or they say outside of Brazil capoeira, that, that's actually gone back to Brazil and inf- affected how capoeira is practised in Brazil or not practised in Brazil, but played in Brazil. You know, it's a, it's a conundrum. It's everyone's going in their own ways as well. Everyone can choose.
0: I think it's a bit like in, in social media with audience capture where you, know, you get an influencer who does something a bit different to the norm but that gets lots of hits and so then that influences them to sort of steer in a new direction and obviously with the proliferation of of, of easy access to to videos from all over the world on youtube and facebook and TikTok and whatnot it will be interesting to see how how things evolve and actually whereas before you know europe was more isolated from brazil but now Mm. everything's just mixing together and and obviously it's not just europe there's the americas and australia yeah
1: I mean, at the end of the day, it's just developed a lot and it very quite quickly. You know, it's very quick how in 20 years it's just exploded. And a lot of, a lot of that was based on opportunity rather than planning. And so now we kind of, I, I do see people, you know, they've got a different look on it. They've been here 10 years and now they want to change something before they didn't really, it's just kind of run off with them. And now they're, they're trying to form that into a something more resembling more what they learned when they were in Brazil before. So, you know, it's just a work in progress, I think.
0: Yeah. So if any of our listeners are in London that would like to train with Metro Fantasma, would you like to just talk about your group and where people can find you?
1: OK, well, at the moment I'm teaching in more or less in the street, but it's in, it's indoors in the street, in near King's Cross. In a place called Granary Square, um and I've got a website, capoeira.co.uk. So on there is updated, and uh, you can see where I am. But in September, I'm going to start in uh, a Cuban dance academy, which is actually a ballet academy, but they're opening the doors to all forms of dance. And it's Carlos Acosta's. It's called the Acosta Dance Center. So I'll be teaching there as well so good
0: luck. good luck with that
1: yeah let's see how that goes i i've never really taught in a, an academy of such so suddenly i'm in like almost like a palace and i intend to make it work as best i can i'll be teaching rope flow and capoeira so I, next starting september i'm teaching a lot brilliant
0: and are there any other sort of closing thoughts or comments you'd like to say uh,
1: well i suppose if there's If there's no capoeiristas, the the trick, I believe, of developing good understanding and way to play is to visit different hodders, so that you can kind of value what you've been learning. I think that one of the most important things that I have done for my students is to make sure that we are exposed to different forms of capoeira, different masters and different ideas and play as many people as from different places, people you don't know, you know, playing people you know is not necessarily as good as playing someone you don't know. Maybe that's what I want to say.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. We'll be linking to um, the website in the, de- the description to this, this episode as well. And if you'd like to get in touch with podcast with the lifecapaware at gmail.com, uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, so thank you very much for listening. And until next time, ciao.